0: Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-Op Shop, your one-stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gussis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hey, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Jason.
1: Yo, my peoples, what's up? Wait a minute. <laughs> what is this, the crossover crossover? Shh, he's in the back. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> He's like he, the gimp. He, he puts the lotion in the basket?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have kidnapped Mike, and I have taken over to talk about my favorite game of the year so far in January.
0: Yes, I guarantee this is both of our top game of the year so far, because we're on one recording. Yeah. So it's got to be. I <laughs> guarantee So this week, we're going to talk about adventure tactics and have a design discussion or, well, probably just a discussion. Actually, I think this is going to be a two-part discussion on development. So Jason and I are just going to kind of talk about what development is today and what we think about it and maybe some of Jason's hot points. And then next week, or I guess it'll be two weeks from now, when we have Mike back on, we're going to do more of a design discussion about it, what you can do as a designer to maximize this, and maybe try to answer some of Jason's questions when we're both together, too.
1: Sure. It is Adventure Tactics' Doomian's Tower. I think the idea is that there are, there are going to be multiple Adventure Tactics modules, and we're going to be invading different towers and scenarios. So this is might be the first of many things, depends on how well it does.
0: And since it's our game of the year, I guess we're excited about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it keeps its pole position as we move on into later January beyond.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, we'll see if it keeps its pole position by the end of the episode. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> it might be zero of one by the end of it. Like, we have one game, but it's so bad, we're not going to rank it. We shall see. No spoilers. No spoilers. That's for sure. And in fact, I will say that I don't think it's bad. So, uh, you know, definitely stay tuned and Don't take that as a, as any knock against it.
1: This will not be like the Defenders of the Realm episode that I was on, where I, I think one of the Discord people said that Jason hulked up and <laughs> let, let loose the fire on that game. That will not. This will not be like that. Sorry, people. For whoever was hoping for some hot take takedown, don't think I'm going to have too much of that this time.
0: Okay, so no uh, no ripping up boxes, no lighting things on fire. no, none of that.
1: N- no uh, well, it's uh, I, when I rip up a game, it's more like the defective vacuum cleaner noise <laughs> 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 or a chainsaw or whatever nice. <laughs> Not too much of that.
0: N- none of that today though. that's good. That's good. Well before we get too far into this episode, we haven't talked before. I mean, we've talked a hundred times before, obviously, and we've talked on the Mm -hmm. podcast a hundred times before, but I I, like, since you've kind of ended everything with the NGN and started up shelf stories and joined the podcast, like I want to get that whole story. But before that, I want to thank some Patreon supporters. So we got Lee Broderick, a co-op fan, Gothic Mink, a co-op fan. And Jeff Gerber, a co-op lover. So Lee, Gothic, and Jeff, thank you so much for your support. And everybody who's part of our community, we love you all.
1: Thank you so much. Now that I'm a part of OSCS, I can thank people because the support is definitely felt by our entire family over here. Colin, Steve, Barrett, Mike, Peter, myself. It's great.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you. Uh, hopefully you guys have seen the benefits of this support the things we've been able to do over the last year certainly starting the stream channel both on YouTube and on Twitch certainly bringing Jason on board certainly having Barent on we did extra life this year we're we're just doing and able to do so much more and we've had computers crap out over the course of the year and you know <laughs> we we've had had upgrades that that had to be made you know just to keep this thing going so we definitely appreciate everything all right. So Jason, let's hear about what happened to you, man. So last time I, you and I sat down, just the two of us, you were still doing every night is game night. So kind of walk me through your
1: story. Walk me through your evolution. I don't think we've ever done a two-man pod.
0: No, I don't think I've ever done a two-man pod with anybody but Mike before. I'm too shy.
1: <laughs> you, need the, you need that third person to, to pull you out of your shell. Got it. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's actually interesting that you ask, because uh, this is like I just kind of like go, go, go. I don't have to <laughs> time to reflect. But uh, you know, so I did every night's game night that lasted until episode 190. So I was very happy to do that many episodes. That that's compensating like four plus years of basically a solo pod. Like you know, I kind of me running it myself. I started you know with Anthony. People know the whole story. So then I did that for a lot of episodes, and I met a lot of friends. So it is through Every Night is Game Night that I met my computer. Uh, I remember listening to, I think it was episode four of you guys. It's like four or five. <laughs> I'm like, wow, a co op podcast. Woohoo, this is great. Um, and,
0: and honestly, you're, I mean, people don't know this, but you're one of the people that really, you are the person that really got us into this community. Yeah. Like the, co-op solo community, you were definitely the person that pulled us in because, you know, you started a Slack channel back in the day with all these content creators, and we didn't know anybody at the time. I mean, we were brand new, and I think that might be even how we met Colin. Yep, that was. So you're really the reason OSCS is what it is today.
1: I mean, it would have happened anyway. (laughs) There's too much quality behind the microphone and everything, but I think I was glad to kind of be an accelerant, I guess. You know, I mean, I just, I was at the, I was at the mode- at Tommy NGN, I was like I was like in the 80s, 90s, episode-wise, and I was in the mode of like, I just want a lot of people. Like, I, I've always wanted Every Night's Game Night to be about like a lot of people, you know, everybody in the community that I can reach out to. So like Adam from Rolex Solo and Ricky Royal and Albert from One Player Guild and Liz and a bunch of, you know, like a whole bunch of people that I was just interested in the solo co-op thing and then like pulling you guys in. And then it just kind of like organically... You know, went along so like that Slack channel kind of outlived the usefulness. You guys did your own thing, and I went off and did my thing. So it's like, but that those roots kind of stayed. And then you know, I just kind of realized that the pod. I like I'll just say it. I outgrew the podcast. So like I, I have so many. I had so many more ideas for what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a bigger connection with the audience. I wanted to try video. I wanted to try uh, video playthrough. So at the time I was like starting and you guys had let me do a couple of videos on the One Stop Co-op Shop, just kind of experimental top 10 pandemic games and a couple of playthroughs. And I'm like, okay, I can do this.
0: And we appreciate that. We appreciate all you've done. Yeah, absolutely. You've really helped our channel.
1: Uh, i like this that you guys have helped me too. Like, I mean, you guys helped me transition to video. Like, you know, so that we help each other. So like, I didn't have a platform for that. So like doing it on OSCS and getting positive feedback. So it was like, okay, let me do something different. So I kind of like started twinning my stuff. It's like, okay, I can do playthroughs with you guys. And I can, you know, Tom Vassell liked my stuff and brought me onto the Dice Tower to do reviews. So it's like, I'm not doing podcasts anymore doing on them, but I've always wanted to do conversations. Like, that's like the heart of what I do. Like, I want to talk about the intersection of games and life. So that's why I started Shelf Stories. So Shelf Stories is a YouTube channel where I have tons of conversations. The spirit of ENGN kind of lives on there more than anywhere. So I have tons of conversations. You've heard some on the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast, the ones that are more gaming focused, and those will continue. I'll have lots of previews and lots of different guests on. It'll be a really cool time. And then, you know, I have mental health stuff, I have history stuff. I recently um, set the internet on fire for like six hours. <laughs> oh, no. What did you do? <laughs> oh, you <didn't laughs> did I see miss that?
0: that? <laughs> no, no, I missed it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did a, a history chat on colonialism and slavery in board games. And I did a pretty thorough takedown of Puerto Rico. And a couple of other games, but I don't think that's controversial, right? I mean, I think- oh, it's hugely controversial. Are you kidding me? Really? Stop, stop complaining about the games. If you're gonna take that away, you're gonna take more games away. Call it cancel culture. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, watch the video,
0: <laughs> right? People read the title sometimes and and make right. you know guesses about what the content is. It's like you know you can't at least watch it, right? <laughs> at least right. watch it. You can still disagree at the end.
1: I don't love being mocking. I I really do. I, I I love everybody, and I had some great feedback on the Dice Tower group, on Board Game Spotlight, a couple other places, and it was like even the people that disagreed, if they watched the video and like took me at face value, I, I interacted, and I was like, I was great to do it. It just I like it was the the people that just came there and didn't watch a thing, and they posted as if they kind of knew what the video was about. Eh. Thankfully, yeah. that that didn't happen too too often. So, I mean, that's good. kind of what I do as a content creator. Now, like I I start good trouble.
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, let's see what kind of trouble we can cause tonight now i'm ready to burn something down
1: <laughs> as the great uh congressperson john lewis said uh, i go ahead and start some good trouble so uh, i think shelf stories is going to be uh my starting good trouble video channel for this moving forward i have some more content for next month and beyond so that's what's happening so like it's just you know i ended the ngn and it was good to it was like good to hear a lot of feedback I still get people emailing me oh man I'm sorry I you know that ENGN ended I'm like there's so much more now <laughs> well not <laughs> only that but it's 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 like
0: I don't know I I listened to ENGN right it was one of right. it was in my my loop I feel like shelf stories is ENGN evolved
1: yeah it's ENGN and and having the content in the one-stop co-op shop and it's like I think just people get attached and it's like okay it takes a little time to kind of ease people into new stuff and it's like all right well I'm ready for a ride and if they want to listen to it as a podcast, they can,
0: right? First of all, there's like YouTube Red, which I think you know. Oh, yes, no, no, that no, costs okay. money. No, just just
1: subscribe <laughs> to the WhatsApp co-op shop. <laughs> That's what's right. It. Like I, I heard the, um, the the episode you guys did on the top twenty, and you gave the stats, and I'm like, your extra downloads, go get them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I,
0: I I always hesitate to do that because I don't want to sound braggy when we're doing it, and oh, I don't right. know if it's braggy because I don't know what anybody else is doing, right? They, like nobody else shares their numbers. I just like it because I'm kind of a numbers person. And I like to see that kind of steady growth year over year and what we're doing, because to me, that means we're reaching people. They're liking what we're doing and they're sticking with it, right? Podcasts aren't like YouTube, YouTube, you kind of watch one video and yes, there are certainly fans on YouTube that'll come and watch all your stuff, but podcast is very much more intimate. No question you're with these people every week every other week and the fact that they're sticking with you and the fact that you know all of our reviews are pretty positive on iTunes as well or sure. wherever else i mean i i say iTunes or wherever else cuz i don't know where else you can review us i'm sure they're very good <laughs> and if they're not i'm sorry i didn't I'm, see your scathing rant. i <laughs> happy
1: to say that i put in the first five star review for for the old co-op cast
0: oh nice <laughs> nice well we appreciate that for still sure still remember that
1: so, all right, well, let's, do we want to get into Adventure Tactics? Yeah, yeah, thank you very much for strolling down memory lane with me, but now let's look forward, man. We are reviewing the game of 2021 so far, Adventure Tactics, Domi and Tower.
0: Yeah, so do you want to talk a little bit about the theme? Because it sounded like you had a little bit of background on it, or?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, okay, so this is a production, uh, Nicholas Yu was a designer, and Dan Lettering was the publisher, uh, uh, Lateman Games. Dan Lettering is the, the CEO of, of Leitman Games. It is, and actually, I know this because I had Nick and Dan on a preview pod for the Every Nineties Game Night, and I'm gonna have Dan back in a week or two to kind of like, like, kind of assess the rollout and you know, kind of you know, talk about things. So so you're gonna get kind of multi layered coverage here. Oh, sweet! So this game, Adventure Tactics, is it is a take on Final Fantasy Tactics. So Final Fantasy Tactics is a classic video game. I forget exactly what platform was on. I think it was on. I think yeah, it was was,
0: Nintendo. One of the Nintendo. It was one
1: of the sure, Nintendo right? one. It was like I don't remember if it was the SNES or if it was like, well, like you know, one past the SNES or something like that. But it was like in, in that era of like we were kids, and Final Fantasy Tactics was always the version of Final Fantasy that was like for the tactical gamer. <laughs> so like it wasn't like you know there wasn't a huge amount of story. It was like you know it was your characters. And it was very flexible classes and it was a series of set piece battles that had a grid and you, you calculated ranges and it was like, it was very almost like RTS type, but in a role playing. Uh, so it was like a really cool fusion. So, it, and they never did anything else like it, like except on a 3DS, but who played a D, 3DS? I'm kidding. Don't come at me with 3DS people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm actually shocked, right? Because everyone I talked to remembers that game fondly. And right. I am shocked that there is nothing like it nowadays. Well, I guess I mean, I guess there's little mobile apps, but they they don't do the same thing. They didn't right. ever capture what that game was right. in my mind anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, cuz it's you know, cuz if you want to play something adjacent, you play an RTS, you play like uh, you know like a Divinity Original Sin kind of does some some sort of similar things with like radical customization of characters. Like so it has like it's there. It just like the you know, Final Fantasy Tactics was like a distilled version of it. Yes. So then, the concept of adventure tactics is they wanted to put that in board game form because it hasn't really been done, at least on a blown-out scale. So they wanted to, you know, release a big adventure, and that's what this is. So this is the first box, Domian's Tower, and you are going to play characters, and the characters are very very modular we will definitely get into that
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean i i could never mind i can already guess what spot the characters are on or the leveling system is on your list um because it's probably the same one on my
1: list number but one l- 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 the number one is leveling system just let's get over people hey uh, guys,
0: no 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 spoilers no spoilers it's t- come, on. <laughs> come on we'll get then. into that when we get there jason <laughs> let me tell you something you have now put me to shame I do typically do the theme every week and I'm like, yeah, you're going around fighting monsters. Yeah. Mike, why don't you tell us about the rules? <laughs> and you just went on like a, a five minute like explanation of everything <laughs> about the background of the game, the publisher, <laughs> the designer, like where their brain was. They might have you're tuned killed by me. now. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Geeple. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. no, it was great. I'm telling you, you put me to shame. I'm well, no, you have characters, and yet they're highly modular. So, like, they start with the base classes, so, like, Archer and Rogue and stuff like that. And then, it, it, so they, as you level, you see, so you're going to go through tactic style, line of set piece battles. So, like, boss battles or, like, you know, one environment can be laid out and you do a battle. Then after every battle, you gain a level. Sometimes they fail forward, but we can get into that. But basically, yeah, yeah. We'll, after- we'll get into
0: that when we get into the uh, game. Let me let me just go over a quick description of what you're doing in the game on your turn. So basically, it is as as Mike. Jeez, see, I can't I can't do this without Mike. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> As Jason was saying, it, this is a boss battler, basically. So you were going in, you're going to fight against a boss. It's funny, the first two missions don't feel that way. And we can get into that at some point. And actually, I got a perfect place for it. The first two missions, I thought we were going to fight against like rooms full of monsters. But it's really not that. It's mostly just you're fighting one boss and then some other stuff's going on. And maybe they'll spawn some stuff. But it's really typically one boss. So it, it's mostly a boss battler where you are taking an adventure party of three to five characters and you're going against them. And the way it works is you take chips with each person's like picture on it and you have two enemy chips, you shuffle them up, you flip it up and that's the turn order. And on your turn, what you do, you're going to play two cards from your hand or in front of you. So you'll have equipment in front of you, but equipment works the exact same way as cards in your hand Work the exact same way as like you have a class specific card that goes on your board. All the stuff on the board and like your equipment, all that is, is it basically means you start with it equipped at the beginning of the game, but you play them the exact same as every other card. And the way it works is you play a card and it tells you what to do. It says maybe do a basic attack. You have range, you have a color dice or maybe two dice that you're going to roll and that's it you have a move stat, you have a basic move card, you move four or five spaces orthogonally. That's it. I mean, it's really simple. So everything you want to do is driven by these cards. The other actions you can do is like discarding a card face down to move half your distance. So if you just get unlucky and don't have any move cards, at least you have something to do on your turn. But that's literally as simple as your turn is. The boss's turn you flip a card over from the boss deck, and it literally tells you who activates and how to activate them and how to move them. And there's a little bit of explanation within the, the rulebook itself, but literally it's less than one page of information usually. Future Peter here. Hey, past Peter. Literally, you keep literally using that word. I do not think it means what you think that it means. Anyway, back to the review. And it's got everything in there. So it's a very straightforward game as far as like how you play it. And you just keep going until they either knock you out a certain number of times. So when you get knocked out, you do have revived potions. You come back with half health or you defeat the boss mm-hmm. or whatever the goal for the mission is. It's usually defeating the boss though.
1: Right. And then as you defeat missions, you get, you get the leveling. So like you get to add a card, you get, add a couple of cards to your deck. You get, uh, some passive powers. You get to mix classes, which is the Final Fantasy Tactics draw. So like if you're a cleric, you could become a wizard. You could become a wit. You can become a rogue, a level one wizard, level one rogue, which you can't if you come back do, to that, which you can't you come back.
0: It's, it's almost like it's an important part of the game or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then you get prestige classes, and then you can mix things up, and then you can play, uh, and then you can go back and play the entire th- uh, campaign again, and you can play an entirely different set, a entirely different combination of, of character traits, and uh, so that that modularity is that's really what you're. I think that's what the game is selling itself on.
0: Yeah. All right. So let me get started with my number five. Usually, I let the guests go first, but I feel like you've already said you're number one, so I'm going to start with my number five. <laughs> If it's not your number one, I am leaving. Are you kidding me? (laughs) My number five is that initiative system. And it's very similar to Aeon's End, actually, where you're flipping up uh, cards off the top of the deck and you move around. Now, they've done some clever things. Number one, you get to see it at the beginning. So it helps plan a little bit. So you kind of see the order of the turn. And then there are certain characters. I think it's the ranged character that gets to kind of move up or back one spot on that. So I typically take one level in, what is it? Archer? Is that? Archer. Yeah, I usually take level one Archer on most of my characters just so I have that flexibility because that turn order is so crucial and so important. So just that passive ability right there I think is really worth it just to even get one level in that class. But again, we'll talk about the leveling system later. Mm -hmm. So that's the good. The good is I think it's really cool how you can manipulate it and I think it's neat that you can see it ahead of time. And look, for a light, easy game, it's not as bad as it is in other games, but it is mostly a negative for me because Mm -hmm. it leads to downtime potentially. And again, not much downtime because it's pretty quick turns, but the more player count you have, the more downtime it's going to be. If you're first in one turn and very last out of six actions in the next turn, there's certainly going to be some downtime between your turns. And some of your turns could even not do a whole lot because you're only playing two cards. Well, if you only have move cards in your hand, Not a whole lot you're going to do on that turn. So there isn't lose a turn in it, but there are certainly turns that can be bad, even if you're set up in a good position. That makes the initiative system almost feel worse sometimes because it feels like I've had all this downtime and now I just get to do almost nothing on my turn, but basically cycle two cards through my deck. So I mostly view it as a negative and also because the enemy could go twice in a row at the end of a round and then twice in a row at the beginning of the round. If you have no way to manipulate that turn order, it could go from bad to worse very, very quickly. And then you could get really lucky with it as well. I don't mind because it's a very light game, but it's certainly in there and I know it rubbed Mike the wrong way and it, it certainly isn't my favorite thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I do not mind downtime. I am very engaged when other people are going because we're talking about what's happening. And if it's a younger person who's playing, it's like, okay, well, we can, you can do this, you can do this. And So I don't mind the downtime at all. I don't, cause, and like you said, the turns are so fast. Um, what I do mind was that four turns in a row thing, I have had characters just completely get roasted from full to zero in that time. And that is not good.
0: <laughs> yeah. And especially early on. Because you have less ways to mitigate it early on right. and you have like less life. It's like D&D, right? You get more hit points as you level up. You know, it's like any of these games. And so you start with a very low amount of hit points. So you could definitely get burned down with two, three attacks early on.
1: You can reshuffle the initiative order with a revive potion. Yes. So that you you can mitigate it. It won't happen every time. So if you do get that unlucky streak, you have that resource.
0: Have you ever, ever done that? Yeah. Oh, you have? Sure. Okay.
1: Uh, all right. <laughs> I, I haven't. I like my made characters. Me... Is he kidding me?
0: <laughs> well, I've used the revive potion to revive my characters. I need, I feel like I need it for that much more than I need to reset the order. Cause it's not even like you reset it. You just shuffle it. It could turn out the exact same way next time you do it.
1: it I mean, it could, but not likely. <laughs> sure. Of all. Sure. And then of all, like, I, I guess I, I played on easy mode. We're not quote unquote easy mode with the extra revive potion. That was my like initiative potion.
0: Yeah, I did as well. Although I played three characters most of the times I've played, and I feel like you need it. Yes. But we'll get to player scaling, I'm sure, at some point as well. Okay. All right. So,
1: Jason, what's your number five? My number five is tons of cards. Lots and lots of cards. There's over 500 (laughs) cards in this box. It is a ton of content. And if you look at the OSCS review uh, that Mike did, the five and five, he pointed out that it's a mix for him. He is incorrect. It is a pro. So it's amazing <laughs> looking through it. That's why you sort them all at the beginning. You have they give you dividers. Everything's in alphabetical order. And if everything makes sense, you can kind of go exactly where you want to go. You get a, a buff, uh, another card that comes in. Well, it's already in a divider. It's in alphabetical order. Just go in just, and jam it out. Or you can like, you know, peruse it. Like, you know, I'm an old school D&D guy. So it's like I've spent hours, hours on like splat books. And like old dragon magazine where it's like, okay, I want this feat and I want this, you know, power and I want this. And like it isn't quite that deep, but it it tickled that part of my brain of like, ooh, what are the possibilities? I could be a war mage. I could be a warlock. What do warlocks get? What do war mages get? What's coming up? Uh, you know, and so that can be overwhelming. So that's that Mike was definitely right to point that part out, but that's fun. <laughs> I love cards. So they give you a like that's what really the heart of the game is as so, all the cards. So like that sure. is a huge pro for me.
0: Well I mean it's 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 a it's almost it's not a deck builder because you don't build during yeah. the game but you build between games, right? I mean you're really customizing that deck. It, it's so funny to me because one of his favorite games of all time or maybe not one of the favorite of all time but he loves Pathfinder, the card game.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think I mean I mean we'll get to it in final thoughts but this game is a million times better than that game is like I mean <laughs> you level
1: more just every well like Arkham Horror LCG you know like these are there. there's games where they they're, you're just like you're you're smothered in cards and it's fine. Like, I, I don't I, that's not a negative for me like I just like, like it's organized well like the cards make sense like you know you have your basic attacks and you have your you know your special attacks they're all in one little pile it's not like it's all over the place I just I felt like it was when, if you spent the time to organize it he you put everything When oh, he writer. did
0: because i got his copy so he definitely did they were definitely organized
1: well, I mean, not like not in particular, but like if one word to, I'll use the passive voice. If one word is just, you know, spend a good amount of time like, kind of like ingesting this stuff. And there's a, on the back of the rule book, there's a list of all the prestige classes and what classes it takes to get there. So it's like, and there's also a separate book that has like all the prestige classes listed and like generally what they do. So like yep. War Mage is an AOE.
0: Did you look at that before you started playing? Oh, see, yeah. I didn't. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a Beastmaster. Yeah, I'm going to be a ninja. <laughs> like, I didn't care at all what they did in the game. And a, I think I was a Dark Knight with my other character. And then I'm playing a monk when I'm playing with my family. So, yeah, no, I did not at all care about what they were good at or anything else. I just read that stuff. I'm like, yep, that's what I want to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's there if you want to read sure. it. So, oh, of course. Yeah, and, and, you know, so I think that's where a lot of the box space is. And we'll talk, we can talk about, like other component trees. So like you're getting a lot of cards, but you're not getting a lot of terrain. You're not getting a lot of, you know, kind of other things that you you would associate with an adventure game.
0: No, but that's good in in my mind. I mean, that's what keeps it light.
1: Right. You already know this is a card game. So that's kind of where where that is. So my number five, huge positive. So the one negative I
0: had with the cards, and it's not even in the cards, it's kind of like the leveling with the cards. So there are three different ways you can level up. You could level up your deck. But you could also level up these little cards on the side, which kind of give you passive abilities. Right, And so there's two different sides. There's a dice side and the other side. So there's one section where it says like story section or whatever else. But that section has big cards in it, but it should also have some of those small cards in it as well. Now, it yeah. wasn't organized that way when I got it. I've certainly put them in there since, but they don't really fit exactly right in with the big cards. And mm-hmm. if they're not in there, though, you can miss them because when I first got my first level up after the first mission, I'm like, where is this card? And it turns out it was one of those passive cards, but I didn't even know that was an option.
1: Same. There's a, a question about it on BG. I had the same issue. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that when we get to development.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that was a little bit of a miss for me. I wish they had called it something different and like directed you to the right place. So that's my one negative with the cards. And my second negative is they don't fit. They literally don't fit in the box. Like, I, uh, they fit in the box but they don't like they give you card rows there's no way you can get all the cards to fit in the card rows that they given you I actually had to bag the enemy boss cards up separately to make it fit i mean it just it literally doesn't fit in the box
1: it does there's uh, there's it's in multiple areas like there's one long row and then there's a shorter row
0: yeah I've got both of those rows oh I have an expansion aha so that, oh, all right, well, fine. So with the first expansion, which came out at the same time as the game, it doesn't fit anymore. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so th- that's a little bit of a miss for me. Noted. Like, what the heck? I mean, it's a small <laughs> thing, right? But I'm like, why can't I fit all the cards in? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I got all these cards. They even give you dividers for everything. It doesn't fit. And I don't sleeve either. So I can't imagine if you sleeved like how it would be. So that was a little bit of an annoyance more than anything for me. All right. But getting on to my number four, it's the variety of the game. And I think you could probably tell there is lots of variety in the game. Not only your characters, you can choose one of five basic classes. Then you can level up in many different ways. And again, this is not the leveling that I'm talking about. It's just one portion of variety. And then they've got like 10 other classes that you could level up into or more than that. So huge variety there. But really the variety I'm talking about is the missions themselves. Mm -hmm. It's a boss battler, but each boss mission is very, very different. And so the variety in the game is a huge pro for me mostly it's a little bit mixed in the fact that I feel it's got a little bit of betrayal house on the hill in it. Where not every mission as good as every other mission. And mm-hmm. and there's always variety in these games, but I feel like it's pretty stark here. Like some of them are super complicated and like nothing seems clear to me and others are like the easiest thing to play through. No problem. I just sit down and play it. And I think it's a little bit of, you know, again, we said we're going to get into development eventually. Like, I think there's a little bit of that That is part of the problem, certainly, where just the rules aren't as clear as they need to be. I know Street Masters, when it first came out, had a lot of the same problems, right? Mm -hmm. And they cleared it up with a second edition. So hopefully that's something that they can clear up in, in future editions. But I didn't feel like every mission to me felt the same. But that's just a small thing. Like, it's not as bad as betrayal, right? I don't have games where I'm like, well, this was just garbage. I'm never going to play this mission again. I-, I just feel that there was variety as far as like difficulty level, things like that. And I don't know that it was always good as far as that goes, or at least in my mind, good as far as that goes. But, that's the negative side of it. 99% of this is positive. I love the variety. I love how every boss plays differently. I love that they have an individual deck of cards where you're just flipping over cards and everyone tells you to do something differently. It leads to the bosses acting in various different ways. And so, I don't know. I really think they did a great job with the variety in this. Again, Mm -hmm. with those small caveats as far as balance goes.
1: I will get to the bosses and mission structure later. But right now, I'll do my number four, which, you know, I'm a thematic gamer. I have to mention the theme and the story and all that. This is, we keep on saying boss battler. Like, it is, there is a a story thread. And it is a, (laughs) it tells a very, very kind of video gamey basic story, right? It starts off like kind of very kiddish. And I was like kind of, oh man, am I going to enjoy this? as like, Or am, am I just going to like completely ignore the text because it's so childish? And it does get a little bit more involved and psychological t- kind of towards the end. I, I, at some point, I kind of wish, because like, f- like Final Fantasy always got like weirdly psychological. And I was like eight. I had no freaking idea what's was going on. Sephiroth is just cool. But like <laughs> you get into it and it's like there's this, all this like kind of mental stuff. And there's a love story. Uh, there's all sorts of... Like heavier things going on, which I don't know if that's good in a board game. But if you are going to do Final Fantasy Tactics, hello. Anyway, uh, so story, just the the story, the ambiance was okay. The art, amazing. I love the art. <laughs> I think that I think they did a yeah, great job. I agree. Yeah, yep. uh, you know, and standees were a great choice. Just a lot, a lot of things about the art just pop and and sell that story they're they're creating. But the, the the thing that you guys want to know is about like, is the campaign. How does the, how do things rope together? So it's like the pathing. You know, we talked about missions. How do the missions relate? So, towards the beginning, you get some paths, right? you like, you can, you know, chase these people and you can do this and you can buy this in order to do this. Da, da, da. So then there's a, there's pathing, but then it kind of all kind of like bottlenecks into something. They don't really give you a lot of room to roam, so to speak. You end up in kind of the same place. And then by the time you get to quote unquote domian's Tower, that's not a spoiler because it's the subtitle of the game. <laughs> 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 you are ascending a tower and there's, you know, the, and like Final Fantasy, I did that. There's a lot of like tower ascending and in, in tactics in the video game. So you do that here. So I wouldn't say that there is a ton, it, like it does kind of kind of keep you on rails, but there are some wrinkles that reward cleverness and like the different paths that you take. And I appreciated that
0: you're not typically replaying the same mission over and over again. You know, if you're failing, you're going on to the next one, you may have some penalties and things like that, and it may make it harder for you going
1: forward, but they do push you
0: forward, which I like.
1: Um, You do, you can fail forward and you can skip certain battles if you have certain items. And what I was afraid of was that if you skipped too many battles, then you would like kind of reach like the later battles in an underleveled state. But it turns out That if you can skip a couple of battles, then you do like get a buff and you get like little extra bonuses for like a, you know, like a speed run or whatever. And I thought it was really cool. It's a nice touch where it's like, you know, I I don't feel punished for not grinding. Like so many of these games, they they, they just like, okay, either grind or you don't get anything. Here, like I don't, like if I don't want to fight a combat, if I want to like clever my way through this, I'm rewarded. It you know, and you do reach level 10. Like what you reach level 10 is a level cap, you can't level past that. And there's like, you know, if you run through it, you can you get between like 10 and 13 battles. So like you're gonna hit the max. You're not gonna like miss anything, but it's just a question of how you get there. Is it like open? Not really, but there's enough little instances of choices there, it just rewards that extra level of cleverness. And I really appreciated that. So I learned a lot
0: of things with what you said, and I'm gonna try to remember them all here. Uh, number one is I'm really bad at the game because I lost a lot. And so I was probably on the upper end of the number of games available to play. I, I definitely didn't skip any battles because I ended up having to do those and more. It felt like, uh, so uh, yeah, I'm really bad at the game. Number two, I think that I might be a child because I like the story. Like, and I like these simple stories and I don't want this like, overwrought stories and needs way too in-depth stuff. And it's funny, anybody who's watched us on the stream channel and watched us play Marvel Champions, I read the story on those cards. Like the the story, I don't think anybody plays Marvel Champions for the story, but I actually thought the story in the base game was actually pretty good. I mean, it wasn't great or anything else. I mean, it's all done in flavor text, but you know, the little bit of flavor text was there. I, I appreciated that. So I think I like a
1: simpler story. It's enough of a frame to direct you to where the game wants you to, which is the card play. So we'll get to yep. that. We'll get to the boss battles, but enough of a frame is there, and it, and enough of a frame to kind of like I keep on saying that the phrase reward cleverness, and I, I feel I feel that it isn't just like grind or die, which which are, there are some dungeon crawlers, <clears throat> Dark Souls, that do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh
1: gosh.
0: Yeah, that was that was a little bit grindy, just a little
1: bad. bit. <laughs> so a pro for me for the most part.
0: All right. So the third thing, though, I think we learned there is your origin story. Really? I think Final Fantasy Tactics is what shaped your life. You're telling me there's all these psychological (laughs) stories in there? You became a psychotherapist? Like, I don't think that's coincidental. No. (laughs) I think we found Jason's origin. Final Fantasy, just like you were the foundation of starting OSCS as what it is today, Final Fantasy Tactics was the foundation of you.
1: I mean like the whole Sephiroth thing well, Sep- Sephiroth was Final Fantasy 7 I'm not sure if he was in Tactics I know Cloud was but like yeah I always kind of gravitated towards like these mentally tortured heroes and he couldn't remember his memory we have to like do a whole adventure inside of his memory I love that stuff that's great and there are some touches of that it just doesn't and maybe it'll be too lame to kind of deliver that but I would just love for a board game just kind of like go for that and see what happens <laughs>
0: So do I have to open every podcast now saying hello and welcome to One Stop Co Op Shop brought to you by Final Fantasy? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> if your origins was Final Fantasy, and you were our origins. Like I, I feel like we're now sponsored.
1: I guess so. So no, <laughs> not, you didn't have to do that. Uh,
0: <laughs> they're not giving us any money, that's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. No, I I agree with uh, you know everything you said there. I I do like the card play. So let's get on to my number three. Sure. Which is, this game is easy to play and learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I played it with my kids. It's no problem. Like I said, your equipment is not handled any differently than any card in your hand. All the equipment spots are, are like extra hand spots for you. But you play a card and do exactly what it says. And a lot of them don't say that much, right? <laughs> it's like, do your basic attack or attack at range three with a red dice. There's nothing difficult about it. Movement is only orthogonally attacking is diagonally or orthogonally that's a little bit weird because you Mm -hmm. have to kind of shift your mind frame back and forth but like that is the most complicated thing in the game (laughs) you figuring out like what's a a diagonal and orthogonal um but line of sight's not that complicated right um Mm -hmm. you know and it's dice combat so it's like roll red dice however many hits you have they don't have defense or anything else typically Mm -hmm. you know there are defensive cards that you can play as a reaction but super simple you roll the dice you give them that many hits. So yeah, that's the other thing. I don't know if you have swinginess as far as dice combat. If people don't like dice, I mean, that's what it is, right? You're playing cards and you're rolling dice. So uh, (laughs) if you don't like it, then you're not going to like it. But super simple. Maps, you were talking about not a lot of terrain, things like that. I mean, these maps are mostly open for the most part. Now they do interesting things, I think, on the maps Mm -hmm. um, with movement and stuff, but it's all still pretty straightforward. So a lot of people have been calling this a kid's game or a family game. I don't know. I, I like it. And I would play it with gamers any sure. day of the week. So I don't know where, where it's getting this reputation as a family game or a kids game. Certainly you can play with kids and I have played with my kids and mm-hmm. my kids really liked it. But I certainly don't think it's only a family game. I, I think sometimes that term gets thrown around as a derogatory term. Right. I would happily play this with gamers. I, I would start a group around this like people start groups around Gloomhaven. You know, I I think there's that much there in the game, personally.
1: I will absolutely ask, Dan, let's ring the publisher when I have him on the podcast about that, that the reputation it's getting as a kid's game, and I will talk about that in my number two. But my number three is what, I think, Peter, your number four, which was the missions. Yep. So then Peter talked about it in the aspect of variety, which I definitely agree with. With me, it's more like, okay, what do you want in a tactical combat game? Like, you want to move. <laughs> like you, like you you have pieces on a board and you want to cleverly move around the board and kind of do your thing. A, a game fails when the answer is to plop yourself somewhere and execute your best attack over and over again. That is not what you want in a tactics game. So this game, the scenario design and And they do it in different ways, like you get a lot of combats. I mean, what is it like thirteen 13 yeah. actual combats there like they they come up with different ways to make you move. And the way they do it, like they don't do it with terrain. Well, they don't do it with like a big sprawling map, so Like you think like a Gloomhaven where there's like, you know, three rooms and you have to kind of go from room to room to room. You, you think of like Descent where there's like a couple of tiles like a billion pieces and everything and you have to kind of overcome that terrain The orc is always, always in, in freaking Descent or like they <laughs> was on a cliff and you have to like run towards the cliff and climb another <laughs> cliff, oh <Yeah>. my god <laughs> so <laughs> And so it, it made you move that way. Here, the the they they board is small, so most of your movement, not all of it, I have a, you know, we can talk about that later. But like most of the time, you are in range of what you want to do, and you're focusing on attacks, and you're and you're, you're optimizing your movement in order to kind of attack the thing that you want. And so, how the game accomplishes this isn't with like terrain and pieces; it's like with little wrinkly rules that each boss has. So, like one boss is you can't hit him with basic attacks, he's or half like half damage with basic attacks. And and then, like, uh, uh, one of the battles is like, okay, one boss, he you can you like it's half basic attacks, and the other boss is half on special attacks. So, you're kind of like flopping between the two. So, you have to like kind of move back and forth. Another boss is like, okay, immune to blue dice unless you kill that thing that's across the room. You kill thing across the room. Now you can use your blue dice. So it's like, okay, I've got to go back and forth, that kind of thing. And the the game finds ways with rules, not with terrain pieces, to make you move. And I thought it creates a little bit of a rules overhead, but the actual game itself is so rules light that there's space in your head to like remember how the bosses move, and and remember the kind of special rules of the bosses.
0: It helps that there's only one or two or three things on the board, right? There's right. never like That's 10 true. things you're dealing with. And that certainly helps with that rules complexity to the boss. Yes, each boss is going to play a little different. But I'll tell you, I've I've left missions set up and I've walked away and had to do family stuff and, and even gone away for a day and come back the next day. And I really didn't have to look anything up. Yeah. I, I would remember it even even with all the little special rules.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and because the point of it, like, you, like you could see the point of what the game is trying to do. Like, sometimes rules are in there for kind of no reason, just to kind of make like to get in the way and make things harder. But like here, it's there's a there's a reason for everything. Like, and it's kind of thematically tied into a lot of what you know. So like this character summons a lot of things. So it's like okay, there's rules around the summon, and it's obvious what it is. Like this character, it's a kraken. Spoiler alert: There's a kraken in there, and there's pools. They go from pool to pool. <laughs> I mean, right.
0: Well, and I think the thing it does, though, really well that makes it easy to retain is that they have one thing they do, typically. Pretty much, yeah. Maybe two, right? But, like, each boss battles about that one thing or dealing with that one thing or figuring out how to overcome them or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever it ends up being. But I think some of these games, they try to give every boss, like, five special rules. Mm -hmm. And that's when the rules burden becomes too much. For me, at least anyway. And, you know, it's not fun anymore. I like that they only do one thing, but they do it well, and it's different than the last boss did. And so it feels unique, and each fight feels unique because of that one special thing that they're doing. And it's kind of like figuring out the puzzle of how, how to deal with
1: that. And the, and the boss makes you move. So like when you're building your character, let's say you wipe and you can kind of like rejigger some things. Then it's like, okay, this boss does this. I can't kind of like optimize. Like this game kind of frustrates optimization that way where it's like I'm going to build my ultimate character and it like solves every problem by its awesomeness. And, no, you can't really do that here because, like, this boss could act completely differently and you have to, like, put in this janky card that you didn't think you were going to use or you or swap in this passive power that you didn't think you were going to use. But it works in this scenario and it works against this boss. So, uh, that's tactics. That's tactics. That's awesome. And it's the what Final Fantasy used to do. It's like, okay, I had a crappy character that i'd never use but all of a sudden in this particular map he's awesome so i'm swapping that character in and you know taking advantage of that i love that that's really great um is it perfect no uh (laughs) sometimes because the bosses are animated with like an ai deck and sometimes the ai deck kind of makes the boss do weird things yep like it's gonna just wander off seven spaces just no reason (laughs) And it's gonna it it moves to make a basic attack. It's like okay, it just move out of its basic basic attack range. Great. <laughs> well, you know they stop when they're in
0: range of characters, so they should never do that unless it says continue moving.
1: Some of them do say that. They do say continue moving. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And you and a lot of times though, those will attack across the board or whatever. Right. So I will say that it, that leads perfectly into my number two, though, sure. which is the development of the game. And that's what our design discussion about. So what is development? I mean, we'll get into it a second here. It's basically doing the little things. It's it's smoothing out the rough edges, right? Development is not the design of the game. It's not the core mechanisms of the game, but it's really taking those rough edges and getting rid of them. And I, I'll say this is a huge fail for this game. A, a huge fail. You know, you're like, what are you talking about? When we were talking on the phone the other day, I'm like, well, look at the first mission. Number one, they don't call the goblin marauders, goblin marauders anywhere on the boss's card. They call them something completely different. Yeah. The gang members. Yeah. Gang members or whatever it is. Number two, gang members are GM, GM one through whatever. And it's cool. Like each enemy has a different unique identifier on it. So I sort them alphabetically, it's really easy for me to find the enemies. Well, there's two different GM enemies, and one of them is like a gargoyle. I don't even know why it's a GM. I don't, I don't know. So like they have the exact same name. That's not a big deal, but somebody should have figured that out, right? It's it just everything else was unique except for this one thing, and both of them are actually on pretty early missions in the game, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's just sloppy. You know what I mean? That's something that literally somebody should have found that in looking at the component. Somebody should have looked at that and go, oh, wait a minute. This is the only thing doubled up. Why are we doing this? You know, we're giving each thing a unique modifier. It's not a big deal there, but like the end of the, uh, one of the earlier missions, again, I think it's the first mission. You could decode this thing by paying one gold, or you could pay one gold to buy a codex. What does a codex say? Decode this thing. I mean, they literally do the exact same thing, <laughs> Like, it's, it's just, Why? Why did you like like somebody messed up somewhere there? Like it's little things it's obvious things and the rules like there's already a pretty good FAQ out and I'm going to actually put that in the show notes because I would say read the official faq before you play the game because i do think there's some frustrating things that like just aren't explained well enough without the faq like how you lose the game you could die and you don't have to use the potions if you don't want and like there's weird stuff like you take your character off the board but you can still heal them well how do i know what spot they were on when they died Mm. there's just little janky stuff like that why don't i just lay my guy down you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's it's easy stuff. I feel like they got all the hard stuff right in this game, right? The, the overall, the way you play, the things you're doing, the leveling system, like, even the balance on the leveling, I think is really good. All of that is really good. And they missed out on, like, the obvious, small, basic
1: crap. And that drives me crazy. <laughs> I did not have as much of an issue with it as you did. I did notice some of those things. I guess I'm a lot more forgiving. Like I just, I want the core gameplay to be good. So it's like, okay, if they, and especially with like a smaller publisher, like if this was a Simon or a fantasy flight, it'd be like, all right, what are you guys doing? But yeah, you know, a smaller publisher, like I I know Dan, like he's like he's the guy that is doing it. And that's games is not huge. So I guess I'm a little bit more forgiving, but if someone doesn't have that context, then they probably would look at it and go, oh man, this is a little bit rough. And we could say more about that in our design discussion.
0: Well, the part of the thing that frustrates me, though, is I know Mike brought up some of these issues when he was reviewing it before the game ever got produced, and they fixed some of the stuff he was talking about, but they didn't fix everything, right? And again, if, if it's a matter of opinion, that's one thing. But if it's like obviously not right, or it's obviously not written right, that bothers me more. And again, this is a pet peeve of mine for sure. So it is very specific to me. But this is the thing that drives me crazy in a lot of games. And and spoiler alert, it didn't drive me as crazy here. Like I fought through that in this game because I think so many other things were good. But Mm -hmm. it really, I have to mention it this high because I really do think it's that glaring and it hits you in the face, especially early on. I actually feel like they got better later as the campaign went on. I felt Mm -hmm. things were more clear, which is interesting, which tells me that they got better at designing as they went along. But they never went
1: back and fixed the first missions, which they were not as good at. I think it might be the opposite. I think it might be they designed the boss battles, and then they designed the, like, the mook battles later, and it didn't get as much kind of like crafting. Sure. Because I, I know, I know for a fact that like in the early, like, you know, the, like the blob character, it's like a big, a big boss. That one came about pretty early in the development process because as they were talking about it. And so like, they, I, I think that they were like pretty excited about that. It's like, okay, we need to kind of introduce some things with some easy battles. And then so, so some things may have fallen off. I'm not sure. I'll, 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 I will ask when he is on. Sure. I mean, because to me, those first couple missions are the tone setters
0: for the campaign. If I didn't love the leveling system so much after that first mission, I might have given, or, and if I wasn't reviewing it, obviously I might've given up on the game. Right. Right. Because when you see that many mistakes on the first mission, and again, I think it does get better as the game goes on. Like you have to get those early missions, right. And you have to get like the basic rules in there. And like, I shouldn't be looking stuff up for the first mission of the game. So uh, I'm going to leave well enough alone on that one, but (laughs) I do think it's the number one negative of this game. Beside
1: that, I I think they got the big things very right, very, very right, at least for me. Okay. Uh, We will, I I have more to say, but we'll save that. So then, my number two is (laughs) I can't come up with any other phrase besides baby Gloomhaven. So I I talk a lot about headspace, like what is my imaginative headspace? What is my strategic headspace? Like, what is happening in my brain as I'm playing a game? And is it like other games that I've played? And The closest that I can come here is Gloomhaven, especially in the card play. You can't, do anything without card play like you have to play a card in order to do anything move attack operate a special power heal whatever it is like you play a card so the reason i call it kind of quote-unquote baby gloomhaven is like in gloomhaven you there's a bunch of stuff going on right there's the initiative order there's like the up down the up space and the down space like there's movement there's movement with looting there's all this complicated like Complex stuff. I won't say complicated. Some people might might find Gloomhaven really easy. I have ups and downs with it. And there's like there's some card powers that are like a paragraph attack. So it's like, okay, what does this do? And how does this apply? Like you're really kind of puzzling that out. And so like you have this it, what results is like, you know, puzzle equals payoff. Like, you know, you're you have a lot of puzzle resources, and you if you can figure it out, boom, you're gonna make a whole bunch of things happen. Here, generally, as you said, the cards are like roll your blue dice. That's that's the power. Yep. Heal, heal white dice plus one, or you know, uh, yep. he- two people heal. Uh, move your, you know, move basic move basic attack. That's it. Like there's no multi-use aspect to it. There's just like you you play a card, and the the multi functionality is like which cards. You know, that's that's what it is. But so like it put me in that gloomhaven space of like card play. But it stripped out so much of the complexity and just made it about like okay, I I have a boss in front of me, <laughs> he's X amount of squares away. I want to do X amount of damage. Which how do I kind of play that out? And, it, and it's so simple. And I feel like because you know Gloomhaven, a lot of people have played. <laughs> and if you played Dungeon Crawlers, you have played Gloomhaven, especially like Jaws Online. Like I I, I, I associate this very, this product very strongly with Jaws Line because it was the simpler you know accessible one. But still. Complex card play, you no know, relative to this one. So I think compared to a Gloomhaven, this one feels like a step down, complexity wise. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And the funny thing is, this reminded me of a game as well, but it wasn't Gloomhaven. The game this reminded me of was Too Many Bones. Really? Because (laughs) the initiative system at the beginning where you really like, you know, you set your initiative, but you you have some, uh, now it's obviously different because it it changes every round here. But the mini fights, like I didn't feel like any fight was that big a deal. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like similar to Too Many Bones. And then there's like story beats between them. You're leveling up between them. I I don't know. I I felt a lot of common with too many bones for me. More so even than Gloomhaven.
1: I, I guess, like, so we talk. I think we're not disagreeing. I think you're talking about like the overall sweep of mission to mission to mission. Yes. I'm talking about the turn by turn. Right. I play. have to operate my character by playing cards. Right. Yes. And that is like it's it was it was everybody's number one for Gloomhaven. Here it's it's high. It's number two. There's a number one, obviously. Um, but I think that is because it's so. It, so I think that, so this is where that's going to make or break with players, right? If you love Gloomhaven, this is not as deep right? It, ju- it just isn't. So like you're going to no. play, if you enjoy Jaws of Lion and you're like an adult gamer playing this adult gamers, it's like, okay, why am I playing this? I can just play Gloomhaven for that like richer turn by turn, adventure by adventure experience.
0: Well, no, we're going to get to why you're going to play this in a second with adult gamers. Oh, we're going to that. We're, we're <laughs> <gonna> <laughs> get to that in a minute. I mean, Jason <laughs> spoiled it 50 times already, but yeah, right? <laughs> there's something that no other game does nearly as well as this game I right. don't think ever.
1: What I'm saying is the, the again, you're at the table, you have a you have the thing in front of you turn by turn if you are looking for tactical decisions, your resources in this game are a lot lighter than in Sure, the game, absolutely. right? So that's that's kind of what I'm like, you know, comparing. Here. I'm shocked though at how much variety
0: you know, we've designed a lot of stuff and we've tried to put the amount of variety and theme they put in those cards with such simple actions sure. is really amazing to me, actually. They did such a good job with that.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. So that's, this is the MMV portion of this review where it's like, if you want that more rich tactical turn-by-turn experience, then Adventure Tactics is not going to give it to you it, like like a Gloomhaven would. And so I can see Someone who is like, and I'm I'm saying gloom here, but it could be a lot of games, like a Mage Knight, or you know, or not like a like a card based you know system, right? Uh, Even like a game like you know um, Warhammer or Heroes of Terranoth, like even that one in its own way had like a richer, more complex, or even like Alter Quest, like (laughs) so many games that are card based have more. Of that, you churn know, here, it's simple. So, like, I think uh, a segment but of gamers each- are going to call this kind of a kid's game. And I don't think that's correct. The big difference, though, is
0: the time frame also. Each mission there is two plus hours for all those games. Like, each mission here is 30, 45, maybe right. an hour. You know, it, it's a big difference, and it's a big commitment difference mm-hmm. to play one of these missions versus one of those missions. Like,
1: and this is the YMMV version of that. Like, if somebody might want the two hours, somebody might want that strat that it's scratched of like you know complex card play here. Every single like negative like comment that I've seen, like either on BGG or whatever, it's like, oh, this is a light game. Like, you know, there's not that much. There's not that much there. And it's like compared to what? <laughs> right. So like it, it, it so I mean if you're a person that wants that richer experience, you might want to go into those other ones. This one, you're in terms of the the battles, it's a little bit maybe it's a little bit lighter. I thought it was a fine, but you no, know, whatever. And then so then okay, so there's all that. But then let's get to our collective number one, which I've talked about 50 times. You don't know me. You don't know this is my number one. Of course. It should be called Adventure Tactics Leveling System.
0: Yes. I mean, it is so good. Oh my gosh. The leveling is so, so good. I've held back. You have not. I've tried to hold back this entire podcast. I got a lot of built up stuff. What? (laughs) I was trying to save it. I was trying to, like, you know, build up the number one.
1: Oh my God. It's so good. What they want, son. (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh it's so good it's so 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 good so to get these like premium classes in the game you have to build some combination of the lower level classes right so you got to be like level two fighter level one mage to be like a dark knight or whatever actually i think it's one mage and one fighter and then you can start getting the dark knight and you get these special classes but Mm -hmm. each card So if you're level one in something, you can take the level two card. If you're level two, you can take the level three card, whatever else in that class, or you could take literally any other basic class. Or if you've got the prerequisites built, you can take any of these like premium classes and then you can start leveling up in that premium class. But you could take a premium class and then you could get a second premium class. And that becomes like your defining characteristics of your character, but you still have all the cards in your deck from those other classes. So you've now built up a little bit of this, a little bit of that, however you want to build. And you can build completely differently every time you play this game. So good. So, Mm -hmm. so good. I've never seen a leveling system so good. And when you get that card... That levels you up. It tells you how many additional hit points you get. It tells you which cards to add to your deck. It tells you if you can take cards out of your deck. Like so simple, so
1: straightforward, so good. And it ah,
0: I, I can't believe
1: that it's <laughs> taken you can me add long. I'm right in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> I,
0: I, it is so <laughs> good. I'll tell you, this game to me does have some flaws. I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a perfect game. But, you know, getting into my final thoughts here, which, you know, now I'm going to skip a beat because we already know all your thoughts on leveling. Getting into my final thoughts here. This trumps everything. I've played bad missions. You know, I was talking to, I think it was Mike earlier. And I said, you know, I played missions almost as frustrating as missions in Betrayal at House on the Hill, right? Like that Mm -hmm. kind of, I I just thought it was off, right? Whether it's I didn't understand how things worked because it wasn't very clear or whatever else. I was just frustrated. I'm like, gosh, what the heck? And I think there are a couple of missions like that. Uh, And then like I get in the leveling system. I'm like, oh, this game's so good. And like it all melts away. It all goes away because you end every session with that, right? You Mm -hmm. end every session with this like level up. And then I go to the next one and the next mission's great, you know? And so it keeps me sucked in. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. We joked about this being the game of the year. This game is going to be hard to beat for me this year. This game does everything I want. I'm not kidding. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I know it's maybe a little controversial. This is the, the weight of a dungeon crawl that I want. And this is the amount of tactics I want. And this is the feel I want. And, uh, and again, it's all because of that leveling system. It all surrounds that. And that's what makes this game great. I can't wait for more adventure tactics in the future. And I really hope they work on the development. That's the one thing I'm going to say for them. I really hope they learn a lesson from this. And really make sure things are very clear because you don't want to game this light to have ambiguities
1: in the rules. And and I think
0: there are for this one.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I got it's it's the it's an amazing level of existence. <laughs> you said you you know we said all our points about it. I think you, the one thing I'll say is that the people who say that this is like a kids game, quote unquote, are I think they're focusing on the just the, the board play right, and that that simple card play. Like, you have to really, in order to really, like, assess this game, you have to kind of take those two things together. Like, it's not just about the card play, it's about what you've done before and after each mission to craft your stuff and that's not necessarily like that's not a kid it's not kid stuff like maybe it's like teenager stuff like you know like i think you know an eight or ten year old would be able to handle this and be okay so maybe you know maybe in order for it not to be a kid's game i have to like defeat an eight-year-old mind (laughs) it's like i i don't like you i think you, you that was a great way you said it i don't always want that right? Like, I, I don't need every game to be a Gloomhaven Mage Knight level, like especially if it's like this card level stuff, in order to be satisfying. And it is. And it's, and if it didn't have the leveling system, it probably wouldn't be satisfying. Oh, it no.
0: Does. It does have it.
1: Right. So, yeah. The leveling system. That's number one.
0: Alright. Well, I've already given my final thoughts in that number one. So, what are, what are your thoughts on the game?
1: Uh, So, I'm going to do a Dice Tower review of this. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, so, that's a that's a seal of approval. Um, I think... Oh man, like it's, it's good. It's really, 8 out of 10 is really, really good. Uh, I think what, what brings it a little bit down for me, just like the 9 out of 10, the the, the getting to the 9 and the 10 is, uh, I mean, I guess I want, like, is there a way that this game could have given you a little bit more tactical depth while keeping the simplicity? You know, I'm not sure. It's like, I I think like, you know, comparing it to like, I, I alter quest, alter quest is a, is I would rather play alter quest in this game. It has, but it's alter quest is so much more convoluted, but that's what I want. (laughs) So I, you know, and I'm using the word convoluted, like, you know, implicitly like the the negative connotation because it is, it is so like do this and then this and then this and and then like, you know, make one attack happen. and. So, like, I, I totally get that, but I I like that because of the payoff. Like, here, the the payoffs are a little bit kind of, like, the the, the ceiling and the floor are a little bit lower on this game than a, a game, like, you know, a little bit more of a, a rich, complicated game. But that doesn't make it bad. It really doesn't make it bad. And if I had kids that I played with or if I had, you know, like, the older kids or if I had, like, a, a certain group, I would absolutely play this game. And I guess, like, the biggest compliment would be I finished the solo. I finished the whole campaign solo. I want to bring this to another friend's house and play the campaign with them because I know they enjoy it. If I want to play a campaign again, that's a good sign of a game.
0: And that's why I, I, I get your point about games being more rich and more tactical. But how many of those games are you going to finish? A, how many games, how many of those campaigns would you have played 10 games up
1: or more? But I finished, I finished a six game, a six game campaign of Alter Quest. No, easy. Are you going to play it again? Yeah. I bought the ruins of Arc I'm going to do that too okay see <laughs> i wouldn't right like i played Mayfine multiple times like this is my jam
0: i'm not finishing Gloomhaven. i might finish jaws of the lion because that one's right in my my level as well mm-hmm. but there is something to be said about fun in True. a game right True. that's what games are for mm-hmm. and this game brings me joy every time i play it
1: we're absolutely I-
0: agreement. i don't know for me it probably would be a nine I don't think it's quite 10 The the development stuff if they fix that if there's a second edition to the game where they fix all that little fiddly stuff and like explain what they mean for some things like a perfect example like when you lay firewalls some of them said make it touching as many characters as possible well, what does touching mean there's no rule anywhere that says what touching means right, right. like is it on top or adjacent yeah Yeah. Is it on top? Does that mean adjacent? Does that mean, what does that mean? What does touching mean? Like there's no, there's nothing that explains that. Like if they explain little stuff like that and took away all those little rules questions I had, this game would be a 10 out of 10 for me. The gameplay itself, again, it's it's no great mental gymnastics, right? But that's Mm -hmm. what I love about it. I love going to the table and just knowing I'm going to roll a bunch of dice and yes, it's going to be swingy. But the thing that sold me was after I lost a mission, the story continued. The story was cool. And I was like jazz
1: to play again
0: after I lost.
1: Cause you have to figure it out. You want to like, okay, I, I know what I did. I know how I constructed my character so I can get this other thing in there and mold this other thing. They give you tools to address losing. It doesn't just make you feel like, like bad about it.
0: Right. Exactly. And I think they handle it well. I like the story. I don't know for me, if you're a gamer like me, this is going to be right up your wheelhouse. I mean, this really is, this would have been my game of the year last year. I think even above jaws of the lion for sure. And jaws of the lion wasn't my game of the year. Cause it wasn't eligible. We didn't review it, but certainly above kingdom rush and everything else. And I, I think by a pretty hefty margin. So 2021 for me, I mean, we joked about it being our game of the year, but this is going to be a tough one to beat. This is going to be a high bar. And again, you know it's me personally so if your tastes are like mine you'll probably feel the same way if you don't like games like the mind maybe you won't i can't help people like that
1: yeah it's it's a lighter game it's a lighter game and there's there is a but it's light with a lot of depth there's not as much depth i don't think as a alter quest or something like that but that is why mmv and like i'm very happy to keep
0: saying mmv i don't know what
1: you're saying your mileage may vary. That's young people oh. speak, sir. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. I'm not a young person. I'm like, I'm like I, you keep saying this word. <laughs> you keep saying that word. I do not think it means what you think that it means. It's LOL and BRB. And <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm still confused. That's grand,
1: son. Like, like,
0: sorry. I didn't take my uh, my youngster pills this morning.
1: I don't want to come off as of saying anything negative about the game. I, I love it. I like it. It's staying in my collection, and I'm looking forward to more content.
0: Absolutely, and I can't wait. And I hope they do fix some of the little stuff in not only the expansion but in future games. I know they're going to get better at, at making stuff within the system as it goes along. And they did the big things that, like I said, so well in this. So I'm super excited.
1: So let's talk about some of that stuff. I mean, you've you've mentioned before a lot of things. I, I mean, I'm not a game designer. But I am a person that teaches. I'm a person that, first of all, I was a teacher, like a like a high school teacher. But even in my like psychotherapy, when I'm presenting stuff, I, I do a lot of stuff on shelf stories about presenting and teaching, like you know concepts of mental health and you know history concepts. Like I can write the script, and then it has to be developed, right? Like you can't just write it and then go.
0: <laughs> right. Well, it's it's like writing a paper. Everybody's yeah. done this at some point in their life, right? You don't. Turn in your first draft. Right. I mean, unless they say turn in your first draft, but like <laughs> you're gonna edit it, you're gonna you're gonna right. fine tune it, you're gonna take out paragraphs, sentences, whatever. You're gonna make it sound better. You're gonna read your own work and go, "What the heck did I just write?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what development is. It's right. turning in a fifth grade paper and turning it into your favorite novel, right? You know, what whatever that is.
1: Mm-hmm. Or like you know, it could be like something brilliant, but it has this like rough edges, like as you were saying. And for me, yep. like the the process for me, like I, I know you're talking about like kind of more fun and other stuff, and I'm sure you're going to get into that with Mike. For for my perspective, development is about access. Development is about learning with as with as little friction as possible. Like you know, you want to get to that whole like minute to learn, lifetime to master point. A lot of games. Yep. And you're not going to, like, you know, obviously (laughs) it takes a long time to learn a lot of these like modern complex games, but that's the goal. Like you're trying to, that's your North Star. Your North Star is like, you know, very short time to learn, long, and then you can kind of like explore the mastery and all that kind of thing. So then the question to ask is like, how does this game teach itself? So what you're talking about is like, you know, the the, the minions being named differently, like the card says something different than the mob on the board. Right, so it's like, mm, you know, am I am I sure about this? Or like, I had an issue, and this is this bugs me. So like, in the very very first mission, there's two boards. And then the the characters are on one side of the board and the mobs are on the other side of the board. And it takes you like a turn and a half for for like for people to meet in the middle and start fighting. And it's like, why am I doing that? Like just (laughs) right. Why am I moving for for one whole turn? Why 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 can't they just appear right in the middle of the and like I start wheeling on them? And so it like It doesn't have to with most players, but like with me, it made me kind of question if I was doing it right. Okay, they're just moving. Do they have like a secondary thing that they do just to kind of whatever? And then the book does have a paragraph about, okay, flip a card, do the thing. But then it has another paragraph specifying about like, okay, when enemies activate, they do this and they do this. So it's like, hmm, does that mean that they do that? It's supplemental to the card play and whatever. And I ended up uh, talking to the designer. He's like, no, 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 that only counts towards like summoned mobs. So, like other, you know, bosses will summon mobs, and if they're not on the card, you go by this rule. It doesn't say that.
0: <laughs> well, right, and there was another mission. There was something similar where it was like these minions activate before the main boss every time, right? But the main boss would sometimes activate twice on a card. Does that mean they activated twice, or right. they because acti- a lot of times they say the boss activates when you flip their card. Well. Like, what is it talking about? So do those things activate twice? Because some of the times it said activate those things a second time. Well, wait a minute. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when when am I supposed to activate them? Like, before I flip the card, am I supposed to activate them? Like, it says before the boss activates. But what if the boss is a, doesn't activate on the card? Like, do mm-hmm. they not activate? You know what I mean? It's like little stuff like that. And I think the problem in games, and again, we're picking on adventure tactics here, but this applies to a lot of games. It breaks your immersion with the game because now I've got to go pick up my phone, look on BGG or pick up the rule book and I'm no longer in the game. And for a game that could take 30, 45 minutes for a mission when they're done well, for those ones that weren't, it took me sometimes an hour and a half because I'm sitting there trying to find the rules or I'm posting questions on BGG and like not getting answers. And so I'm just kind of having to wing it. And some people don't mind that. But for me, your job as a game designer, and certainly not necessarily always as a designer, certainly the publisher is heavily responsible for this as well, Sure, is to make that game experience so you don't have to do that. Right. I don't want to have to make up rules as I go along. I don't want to think that I'm playing the game differently than you are. I want the game to tell me how to play it
1: the biggest barrier to somebody like getting into a game or enjoying a game is the rule set like and I think modern gamers are used to higher barriers of rule sets because we like our modern games we like our agency we like all, all these things but we have to remember that you know like if you're getting you know more your more casual friends into a game or if you're kind of like trying to broaden this you know broaden the appeal which is because this game wants to appeal to like you know kids and teenagers and all kind of thing uh whoever's gonna play it and so it's like when you have these little friction points of like hmm you know did i get that right like that's the thing so you're talking about immersion i'm talking about like that friction point of of doubt did i get through the game did i get that rule right that that doesn't seem right and that's that's the record scratch moment for me where it's like okay could that have been done better Could that have been explained better? When I, you know, asked the designer, when I talked to FAQ, it's like, oh, cool. That makes sense. Well, and that's the thing. Once you figure it out, like it's easy, you know, then the mission
0: runs smoothly. But the question is like, why aren't the rules very clear to begin with? That's my problem. Like at one point, again, one of the bosses says it moves in this direction, but if it ends up adjacent to a character, then it stops moving. Well, the rule is always for range characters when they're in range of you and they stop moving. So why is that one section in there? Does this boss ignore that normal rule Right, except when he's adjacent to it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense. Why is that rule there when there's already a rule that covers that? And now you're making me question whether the regular rule applies to this card or not.
1: So like what goes wrong, right? A lot of people point to like play testing, right? You got to blind play test this. You got to, you know, like get get as many eyes on this as possible, and it's absolutely true. It's easier said than done. <laughs> you actually yes. have to have play testers that are willing and like have the time and have the expertise and willing to print stuff out. And it's it's, it's probably better now. I'm wondering if we're gonna get like this wave of better developed games with like the advent of tabletop simulator. Because now, like, people can just kind of play games without having to print and, and, and whatever. But, you know, we, this was the game was developed like before that. So, did a, does a smaller publisher have the resources to have those eyes in the game? And then, if they don't, like, if they're just, just kind of like you know, more in house and local playtesting, then you're going to get that kind of like groupthink where everybody knows the rules and they're kind of like, you know, the rules so well, you don't notice where an outsider might not know the rule.
0: Sure. I do feel like, though, some of these things were one pass things, right? Like you just missed a pass. Like you you changed a rule, you changed a name, and you didn't go back through and look to make sure you've updated it everywhere, right?
1: Or like, well, I guess like, you know, so, so the naming thing, right? So it's like, in that bubble, it might be obvious that like gang member and, you know, minion are the same thing. Because it's like interchangeable because, you know, the iterations and iteration five, it was the gang member. In iteration 10, it was the minion. And like it kind of like bleeds together in your head. Sure. But
0: literally, it, it wouldn't have been a problem if they weren't all goblins. You know what I mean? And they were all in the gang, including the boss. So is the boss a gang member? I don't know. Like, like, it turns out, no, it just meant the guys with the clubs, right. right? But like, you know, when I read that, I'm like, well, there's nothing called a gang member, so it must mean everybody activates on the board. So right. you know, obviously, <laughs> made that mission way harder right. for me.
1: Yeah. So I, so you know, I, we're mentioning all these things. I think, like my, so my point, and I'll kind of like just reiterate that it, it you know, the development helps with access. Development helps with understanding a game, and you know, the, the more the merrier on that stuff like i mean obviously there's development cycles that kind of make a game more complex and more rich and whatever i mean that's all cool and i'll leave it i'll leave that to you and mike (laughs) you know all that stuff like for for me like if i'm taking a pass at this game it's like okay hey look take a look at this that's exactly i am looking for friction points in the understanding of the game because that's what i do in my psychotherapy practice like i've been doing it like i have this thing that i present to people and i've been doing it for years and i'm still developing it i still see friction points years after yeah. i started like i started the concept and it's like i can just i can only imagine what it would take to you know like you know, they, they say like first edition kickstarters are like you know alpha te- or beta testing for <laughs> it's like okay second edition we're gonna do it right well but it shouldn't be
0: and, and that's the bottom line like yes i, I understand small publishers uh, was
1: this their first game no, no, no! This is their first big game. They have a couple of games. I, I like Groves. Groves is like a small game that they have. Like he, they've published games, but like this is the first time like a really big game.
0: Yeah, and so I get that. Look, we we made mistakes on our first games for sure, and there's nothing you can do to take it back at this point. The thing that excites me is these are all super fixable things, sure. right? Super easy to fix things, and so to some degree, it it worries you a little bit that they weren't fixed but to the other degree it's like well a second edition of this game is going to be f- i already think it's fantastic i mean obviously you know i'm picking on a game that isn't you know like i said i think it's a nine out of ten for me well, Could you
1: care like if it was just a crap game right. you
0: wouldn't care you you are absolutely right about that. Like there are many times I just wouldn't go back, and I had would have no interest in it. You are exactly right about that.
1: Like this is a this is a labor of love. Like we actually want this game to be better because like the the if the if this game gets better, they get more distribution. There's more chance for expansions, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and again, I think the base things they did and the development work they did there is obvious, right? Balancing the characters, all that stuff. You know, is there perfect balance? I don't know. I don't care. you know you were looking at at, at what the leveling tree was i didn't care about the leveling tree i wanted to become a ninja and you know what i want to become a beast master and later on if i want to become a ranger as well i can do that too you know i could you know level up to get toward a ranger level or if i want to become a, a death knight with my ranger or beast master whatever i want to do you can do like this game doesn't hold you back when it comes to the leveling i every time i think about it i just like Another so podcast much. is
1: coming on. Another podcast and make it, let it loose, let it fly.
0: But but I agree with you. <laughs> you know I keep steering away from the development conversation. But I think you're right. It, it is removing those friction points, and, and I think that is a good area for Mike
1: and I to focus on next time. How do you remove those friction points? Outside eyes. You, you, you people get caught in a bubble. It makes sense when you do it. It makes sense when you read it. You get to you get so in something that you don't even see it anymore. Like, I'm, I'm guarantee you, like, you know, for them, gang member and MOOC was like this, it it bled together and all the, the little things that bleed together, like assumptions about they all, well, the stop, the boss stops here, the boss that you get so inside your stuff that you, you miss what is, what would be obvious to an outsider. And at the end of the day, you're presenting your game to outsiders. So if you're going to present your game to outsiders, it more, the more outsiders, the merrier, easier said than done, obviously. But we're, you know, hopeful that like with the success of this game, there will be more outside eyes and there will be more help to kind of get this game to where it needs to be.
0: And we spend a lot of time talking about this one game and we typically don't do, do that in our design discussions. We bring it out to a lot of other games. But I think this game is a good example of good yeah. development on some fronts, again, with the bigger things and bad development on some of the smaller things. And so I think it's actually a good case study for game development. Um sure. So I'm glad we did this on this episode. It's it's almost like it wasn't a coincidence. <laughs>
1: Well, actually, when you said development, I'm like, er, what's going on here? And then it's like, oh, OK. I'm looking in the rulebook a lot. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm if I'm reaching out to the designer, there's probably some issues. So yeah, this is right. kind right. of like, oh, OK. Because
0: there's nowhere that has the answers to some of these questions. And that's the thing. It's not on BGG. It's not even in their FAQ. Like I said, I think the FAQ is necessary reading before the first time you play it. But if you do that, you're going to have a much smoother and better experience. And then you know, most of the stuff's on BGG after that. All right. Well, Jason, thank you so much. So we know you're on Shelf Stories, which is also here on Wednesdays. I mean, thank you for, uh, for helping us fill in some Wednesday podcasts. Sure thing. No, I'm going to keep it going as long as, as long as you'll have me. Oh, well, you're, you're part of the family now. You can't get out. That's the thing. <laughs> you got out of that whole dice tower thing, and you came to you know, you came to the real family over here.
1: I'm still on the dice tower. I'm more on the dice tower than ever, fool.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm just giving you a hard time.
1: I am a board gaming bigamist, and I love it.
0: <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. There's no, uh, you know, we, we didn't ask for a commitment from you. You know, we we don't have a five year contract or yeah, anything. Open relationship. You know, ex- exclusive co- contract. So we're good.
1: <laughs> no, this was a pleasure. This was a good game to get the year started off on. Absolutely. So let us know where else we can find you. Shelf Stories GBL on Twitter. Shelf Stories YouTube channel. And the comment sections of the One Stop Co-op Shop. And my reviews on the Dice Tower. The biggest thing that I uh, devote my content to is mental health. Life, the intersection of games and life. So we're, you know, it's, I love having a lot of laughs, and we're talking like very in game. But you know, that's there's a uh, gamers behind the table as well. So uh, and also p- user Pope Sixes on BGG. I think that's where I've gotten the most kind of personal, you know, like really kind of thanking me for c- kind of having a different approach to content. And that's been really meaningful. Like every time I get one of those emails, it just like wow. <laughs> like I had this one person from germany he sent me an email about his daughter who was dying and had needed surgery when she was born and then she made this miraculous recovery and now she's healthy and it was like the experience taught him to you know take the serious stuff serious and let the the, the little stuff go away and it's like that reminds me of your channel because you take the serious stuff serious and you you don't don't let the small stuff get to you and i'm like oh my god (laughs) i was like and it's not the only one, you know, so like, and that's not, that's my user Pope6 on BGG. So that's a good place to reach out to me as well. So I am very available and I will, this will not definitely not be the last podcast, at least the Sunday one that I'll be on.
0: Oh, you'll be on some more Sunday ones. We'll, we'll get you in. You're, you're our official pandemic correspondent. So I'm, I'm sure <laughs> there ain't no way they're going to stop making pandemic games after 2020. That is for darn sure. <laughs> definitely, definitely true. All right, Jason. Well, great having you as always and uh, look forward to hearing what you got for us uh, next week. Bye. Later, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com onestop one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. So this week we're going to talk about event. Ah, that's not how you say it. Mm-mm. <laughs> so you're really the reason OSC it. Blah, uh, blah, blah, blah. You're, <laughs> it's one of those nights, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, nice, I haven't nice. even been drinking. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So you're really the reason OSC it. Why can't I say <laughs> the letters? Hey, Jason, what's up?
1: The leveling system is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, (laughs) Ah, yes. (laughs) A third one, yes.